Welcome to Bruin Success, where we talk to UCLA alumni and explore the many paths to success beyond UCLA. I'm your host, Katie Russo, and today I'm excited to be joined by Peter Taylor, president of ECMC Foundation. Before joining ECMC Foundation, Mr. Taylor served as executive vice president and chief financial officer for the University of California system for five years. In addition, he previously served as president of the UCLA Alumni Association. Peter graduated from UCLA in 1980 with a degree in political science. Peter, welcome to Bruin Success. Thank you so much for taking time out of your schedule to join us today. Thank you very much, Katie. Pleased to be here. Wonderful. So to get us started, as president of ECMC Foundation, can you tell us about your foundation and what inspired you to become president of this organization? Well, sure. Uh, ECMC Foundation is a grant-making foundation. We make about $40 million a year in grants nationally, and our focus is just higher education. So we don't do any K through 12 or pre-K uh, in the education space. We're just focused on higher education. We have two strategies we mainly pursue. One of them is what we call college success, uh, which is trying to improve graduation rates, particularly amongst the low-income first-generation students who are mm -hmm. on the four-year college track. And then the other grant-making strategy we have is in the area of career technical education, what used to be called vocational education, uh, to help the, the young person who, who's not on the four-year track get the skills, education, training they need to get a decent job. Um, and so uh, we've been doing that now, um, well, just about five years that we've been a grant-making organization and we've put to work so far about $175 million uh, around the country. Wow, that's amazing. That's wonderful. So how did you go from UCLA political science student to leading ECMC Foundation? And what were maybe some of the pivotal moments along that journey that you feel shaped your career the most? Boy, yeah, it was uh, it, it, it was not a direct path. Right. Because <laughs> nowadays, I don't think direct paths exist. No, they don't exist. Yeah, uh, exactly. You know, I majored in political science, and I worked in uh, the area of politics and government for six years after I graduated. I, I worked for the state legislature and the staff of the state assembly majority leader in Sacramento. Uh, I did everything from writing legislation to dealing with the press to answering constituent inquiries to running campaigns. And uh, it was terrific. But... Um, you know, after six years, I felt I, I needed to do something a little bit different. So yeah. I went back to graduate school, got my master's degree in policy analysis, uh, ran a nonprofit organization because I had just gotten married and I couldn't afford not to work. <laughs> so I kind of did part-time graduate school for a long right. time until I got yeah. my, my degree. And then I uh, got fortunate in the early 90s um, as the economy was starting to come out of the, uh, the previous recession, um, I uh, had an opportunity to join... Uh, the investment banking firm of Lehman Brothers oh, okay. as yeah. a uh, vice president, where I had the chance to really kind of marry my many interests. Uh, uh, I had an interest in statistical, mathematic data analysis and public policy. And so I joined Lehman on their public finance team okay. and I worked there for 16 plus years. It was wow. terrific because it really gave me a chance to marry, um, you know, math and analysis with public policy. Yeah, uh, And so I worked uh, on the West Coast, eventually became managing director of their West Coast operations. Um, and it was a terrific opportunity. Um, but obviously, all good things come to an end. And in 2008, Lehman Brothers came to an end. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so about that time, the University of California had advertised for a, uh, a CFO. Um, I had the opportunity to meet the then president of the university, Mark Udoff. Uh, and after chatting with him about some scholarship funds my wife and I had set up at UCLA. Um, he, he said, hey, why don't you come join me as CFO? It would be fun. And, 
And looking back, I'm not sure it was completely fun, but it was very rewarding, uh, to say the least. And uh, after five years, when I retired, this opportunity to join philanthropy um, intrigued me, in part because, you know, I've often suggested, Katie, I have the work career and a volunteer career. Uh, my work career with the various jobs I just outlined, but on the volunteer side, I've always taken time to be engaged, uh, very often with UCLA, as you said. Yeah, I was right. president of the Alumni Association. I was alumni rep on the UC Regents, had the chance to chair the foundation board and, uh, and lead the two-year effort to focus on African-American recruitment and retention in the late 2000s. Oh. Um, and all of that kind of, kind of prepared me for opportunities to think about philanthropy and how it impacts public policy. Uh, I had the chance to serve on the board of the James Irvine Foundation and the J. Paul Getty Trust, two pretty good size philanthropic organizations in California. Yeah. And so when the chance came to run this foundation, it really, again, allowed me to marry the interest in public policy uh, transformation, specifically in higher education, uh, with the use of resources, in this case, $40 million a year, to try to drive positive change on behalf of you know, young people who aren't always well served by traditional education structures. Mm. Right. Wow. That's such a, yeah, that's an amazing career you've, you've had so far. And I think it's really cool to see the ways, the different roles you've had that you were able to blend your passions and interests and find a way to kind of, like you said, marry the different pieces of work that you really enjoyed and kind of bring those together um, to carry out different efforts. So that's really, yeah, that's, that's wonderful to hear. Thank you. Thank you. It's been, uh, like I said, a lot of bank shots, uh, <laughs> but great lessons learned along the way and I wouldn't trade it for anything. Yeah, oh, I'm sure. So as you mentioned, um, and, and prior to this, I had read that ECMC Foundation makes investments in the two focus areas you mentioned, which is the college success and I think you said the career readiness or career technical readiness. Um, what's an example of a project that your team is working on right now to maybe advance one of those two areas? Oh, boy. Uh, well, there are <laughs> lots. Um, and, and as you might imagine, the higher education world's been turned on its head. Absolutely. In recent weeks uh, with the COVID-19 outbreaks. Um, you know, some things, some themes will remain and others will become uh, more prominent. So we've uh, been very focused on graduation rates. Um, you know, you're associated with UCLA. I'm a proud alum. The UC system does pretty well with its graduation rates. Unfortunately, that is not true for public higher education around the country. Uh, graduation rates from community colleges, from regional four-year schools are very poor. Um, and uh, that needs to be addressed because you can't win the public's confidence in higher education unless you can help young people get across the finish line. So graduation rates and strategies around that uh, is an area where we've put a lot of money to work and we'll continue to do so. Um, with the COVID outbreaks, I think we've certainly seen that technology and uh, online learning uh, and the, the implementation thereof is greatly accelerated. Um, to be perfectly honest, uh, Katie, some of, the, um, some of the distance remote learning that's going on is of mediocre quality. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, right now students and faculty uh, are, are pretty understanding after all this was such a dramatic uh, shift in how we do our work. But um, over time, I, I think and hope there's an opportunity to really put in place uh, online platforms that are super high quality, very engaging, um, and really impactful, uh, and do so in a way that doesn't leave the low-income student behind. And so we're focused on that. Also focused on transfer pathways. It's one area, again, very spotty. Some colleges are very good at it. Some are very weak. Um, spending some time thinking about cost containment in higher education. Uh, it's no secret uh, that the costs of higher education have 
have uh, outpaced inflation by like a mile <laughs> or more. Um, and that has implications in a lot of ways, including on uh, financial aid. And so how we look at cost containment is an important area. And then lastly, uh, clearly career technical education. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's not way, widely appreciated, I think, by those of us who, who are so involved in the four-year space, but majority of young people coming out of high school do not end up on the four-year track. They end up going to get a job and they get, you know, one or two year programs, maybe in higher education where they, they get jobs. Uh, they don't end up, you know, getting a full-blown BA. And uh, too often the, the system is focused on helping people get on the four-year track. But if you're not on it, your options sometimes are of mediocre quality. And I think we need to refocus on that. So those are some of the areas we're putting uh, time, effort, and energy, and money to work. Yeah. Wow. Those are, yeah, like you said, those are very important themes that have emerged, I think, from COVID-19. And like you said, having to adapt so quickly when you're thinking about the technology and things like that um, also makes us think, like you said, about how even after this is over, how are we going to change the systems that are in place and making sure that it's equitable and things like that. So that's, yeah, that's really great to hear those, all the, those projects you're working on. It's enough to keep us very busy. I was going to say, I was going to say, you're, yeah, not bored, that's for sure. No, not at all. <laughs> so um, my next question is, since your time um, and your term is, as Executive Vice President and Chief Financial Officer for the University of California system, what strides have you seen the UC make to reach educational goals for the system? And my other part, my other second part of this question is, what do you hope to see um, in this next decade? Um, you know, I think UC has made a lot of progress in transfer pathways. Uh, I'll be honest, uh, 10, 15 years ago, um, their track record on making it easy for a student from a community college to transfer was was poor to pathetic. Um, they 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 incredibly inconsistent the way that students were treated, uh, very opaque uh, rules as to what kind of classes were acceptable and what weren't. Uh, and I think UC's made a lot of progress there, and I give kudos to them. Still room for improvement to be honest, but um, I think they've made improvements. They've also made improvements, frankly, in their operating uh, structures. Um, you know, I was very pleased and, and uh, honored when I was CFO to spend a lot of time, effort, energy, and money uh, earning some battle scars, trying to get the university to think and act differently with the way it ran its business. Um, and, and there's some major improvements that have been put in place, the way they do procurement, the way they do payroll, HR, um, IT. None of these things are particularly sexy, uh, and, and you won't read about them a lot in the newspaper. Yeah, but so important. But I think we're certainly seeing, you know, if you look around during the COVID epidemic, the number of times you hear governors apologizing for antiquated systems. Yeah. Can't get the checks out. Can't yeah. process the paperwork. Let me tell you something. 10 years ago, UC was in the exact same position. Wow. You know, I used to say to some of my colleagues, look, you know, our goal is to get our business and operating systems up to 20th century standards. Yeah. And inevitably, somebody would say, uh, excuse me, we're in the 21st century. And I'd say, yes, that's exactly the point. <laughs> because we do so many things with paper, it's as if we're back in the 19th century. Right. So try to you know, improve that and take advantage of technology. This is not you know, an effort to put people out of work, but it really is about repurposing monies to put them where they matter. Hire yeah. faculty, hire teachers, uh, provide more financial aid, all the stuff that allows us to accomplish the mission. Um, you know, uh, so that, that kind of uh, a focus was something I think UC has done well. And again, always room for improvement, but, but better than it, than it uh, was certainly 10, 15 years ago. Yep. Um, refocusing on undergraduate education, I hope is gonna be uh, something that UC and the CSUs 
really spend some time, effort, and energy on. Um, you know, CSU has always been a good teaching university. Yep. Uh, but unfortunately, our general education requirements are so high that it makes it harder for a student to graduate in four years. So there's some reforms that I think this current crisis will bring to the uh, to the front burner mm-hmm. and force us to actually think through how to uh, enable undergraduates to get the solid underpinning in uh, you know all the skills and competencies you want somebody to get uh, while you know allowing them to graduate in a reasonable time frame. So right. um, there are lots of opportunities to improve, um, and I, I feel committed, particularly at UC. There's some great people who really do want to do right by students. Yeah. And uh, part of the job of administrators, but also the part of the job of philanthropy is empowering those people and helping them get the resources so they can accomplish what they want to accomplish on students' behalf. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and like you said, it's it's crazy to think even how from this pandemic, like you were saying, the systems and it's those things that you don't always think about that, yeah. you know, your employer or, or your, your college institution has in place for you. But like you said, people's having to scramble to update systems and get things out, like having those systems, you know, ready to go and updated and people user friendly, people know how to use them, know how to access them, you know, in these situations, then it's a much easier time for all of us to kind of navigate and get through. So yeah. And, and, and these can help staff. You know, we, we just supported uh, the rollout a week or two ago of uh, a, a product called Swift Student, oh. S-W-I-F-T student.com. Okay. All it is is uh, a set of forms that allow a student, when they're filling out financial aid appeals, oh. to make sure they get their appeal right the first time. And wow. the people who helped put that together included a lot of financial aid administrators who often get letters and appeals from students that are lacking the information they need, forgot the student record number, forgot their phone number, forgot their email address, all kinds of things. So just simply putting online free forms that people can go and access so that when they file the information and the people who love it the most are the financial aid administrators. I was going to say, I bet even more than students. First off, it helps us advocate on behalf of students and it cuts down on our workload. Yeah. Just yeah. by getting it right the first time. I was just going to say, just by, yeah, just having, making yeah. sure you got everything submitted right the first time and have to go back and, yeah. Exactly. Wow, that's Swift Student. That's, that's awesome. Swift that's a great, sounds like a fantastic exactly. resource. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it really is terrific. So about two weeks ago, I saw on the announcement that ECMC Foundation had committed $1.5 million to aid students impacted by the COVID-19 pandemic. Can you tell us how you came to this important decision and why is it critical um, for these initiatives to continue receiving funding? Sure. You know, I was very proud of my team because we we put $2.1 million uh, to work on the ground to help students with emergency mm-hmm. needs, uh, students who've lost their jobs and needed to pay rent or needed to access MiFi or laptops or iPads in yeah. order to continue their studies. Um, it was, and, and we did it again in about two to three weeks, but to be honest, Katie, you know, part of the challenge of working in this field now is there's a difference between charity and philanthropy. They're both good. Mm-hmm. They're both really important, but they're different. Yeah. Right? Because at its core, charity is about help. It's about meeting urgent needs. And that's really important. Philanthropy, though, is about change. Mm-hmm. Philanthropy is about focused on, 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 on root causes, not symptoms. Yeah. And much of what we do is try to find that right balance. Um, we felt in response to the COVID-19 outbreak and the radical restructuring of how higher education was operating, we need to be a little more charitable-minded. But long-term, we're trying to think about, so what is it uh, about the structure of higher education that now 
we want to make sure that distance education, online learning, remote education doesn't leave that low-income first-generation student behind. Right. Um, and, and what is it we can do through philanthropy to help um, put in place structures and platforms that allow students to learn better? Um, and you know, we're part of a, a group of about 14 national higher education funders okay. uh, from uh, you know Kresge Foundation, Lumina, Dell, Ascendium, Gates, uh, Strata, um, all of whom are very focused on student success initiatives. And we're coming together as a group to ascertain how can we pool our resources to yeah. help try to make sure that this new paradigm in higher education um, works for all students, not yeah. just a select few. Right. Wow. Yeah, that's, and I, I loved your point about the difference between charity and philanthropy and having to kind of examine the priorities within those realms. Um, and like you said, philanthropy, really looking at change and those root causes that you're able to kind of, you know, push your initiatives towards, but wow, that's, yeah, that's amazing. And kudos and congratulations to you and your team for, um, you know, getting that funding out there and supporting students. It's amazing. I think I've learned over the years, it's important to have a bias towards taking action. Mm. Um, inevitably, you know, I'm sure a year from now, two years from now, somebody's going to look back and say, oh, maybe you shouldn't have done that. Or maybe you should have done it differently. I don't care. Yeah. I'd rather kind of put money to work now. Yeah. yeah. You know, in, in banking, there's a concept called time value of money. Mm. Very essential concept that basically says a dollar 30 years from now is worth less than a dollar today. And, and you build bond finance formulas around that. Well, Katie, there's a time value of impact. Yeah. And if you put money to work today, the value of impact is greater right. than if you wait a year or two to see how this all plays out. Yeah. Well, I'd rather have impact immediately yeah. as opposed to studying it. And maybe down the road, I might be able to have bigger impact, but I'm not going to take that risk. Yeah. So. Wow. Yeah. We'll see. A yeah. year or two from now. Right. Who knows? <laughs> right. Well, uh, yeah, yeah. We definitely know it's going to be making an impact for a lot of students now. So that's, yeah. that's, one, that's fantastic. So my final question for you is, since leaving UCLA, how has your career and life experiences shaped how you define success? Um, you know, I, I've always been engaged and in, in focused on giving back in one way, shape, or form, whether it be coaching Little League, you know, right after I got out of UCLA, or, um, you know, serving on the alumni uh, board. Um, now, currently, I, I chair a board the foundation called the Ralph M. Parsons Foundation here in Los Angeles that focuses on grant making for predominantly kind of uh, uh, homeless and, and uh, um, you know, food insecure uh, uh, initiatives in LA County. Um, and so, yeah, the older I've gotten, the more I've kind of focused on the legacy of impact as being most important. And the, uh, the opportunity to leave a legacy through giving back is um, something that I'm very glad I've always done and will continue to do as long as I'm healthy, yeah. <laughs> hopefully for a long time more. Right. And uh, I think, you know, when I, when I get to that point where I'm looking back on my life, I want to be able to um, say my greatest success was helping organizations succeed, mm. whether they be in higher education or the, you know, little nonprofit with three employees who, get a grant that uh, allow them to serve, you know, 5,000 people. So I'm, yeah. uh, I'm, I'm, I'm increasingly focused on kind of that uh, time value of impact and legacy. Mm -hmm. 
Wow. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's a, that's a great answer. And I, it's really, um, enjoyed hearing, you know, your perspective and just, I, I love that where you said helping organizations, you know, make change and, um, continue to be able to have the resources to do good in the community. So, um, yeah, yeah was, you can't, you can't sustain democracy without ensuring that everybody has an equal shot at benefiting from the structure of governance that we have. Yeah. And if too many people are left out or, or without hope that they can, they can uh, have an opportunity to thrive, the system doesn't work. Right. Definitely. So. Yeah. Well, it was quite the privilege to be able to talk to you today, Peter, and thank you for being this inspiring change maker and Bruin that is definitely leading the way and making an impact, especially now, I know, with so many students that are just trying to finish out the school year and make sure they have what they need. So thank you for all you do and um, all your time and energy you give back to UCLA. We are grateful to have alumni like you. So thank you so much for your time today. Thank you, Katie, and uh, go Bruins. You've been listening to Bruin Success. Our guest this week was Peter Taylor, president of ECMC Foundation. You can find more information on Peter in the description of the podcast. Follow Partnership UCLA Alumni Career Programs on Instagram and Facebook to keep up with Bruin success. If you enjoyed our podcast, subscribe to it, tell a friend, or share your appreciation on social media. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next time we're back with Suzanne Seplow, Assistant Vice Chancellor Student Development at UCLA. This podcast was made possible by UCLA alumni.